Good morning to what is not a frigid day here in New York City. Uh, very excited to welcome you to what will be for me my 10th Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Aryeh Lightstone. You can listen to us at jminthem.org or on nachumsiegel.com. And we are streaming live now as we speak so you can check us out and see what we look like as well. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. I was down, uh, for those of you who remember, I think it was my second show we had on Dave Weinberg from Pin Booster. Uh, and Pin Booster is just an outstanding company. And, and Dave is one of the uh, many great entrepreneurs that we've had on this show and will please God continue to have on this show. And he invited me for a tour to check out their space. And they're on 17th Street. And as we're turning the corner, we see the signs for Adorama, and he and I walked in, and uh, we were pleased and excited to see, uh, uh, you know, such both great help, uh, advice, guidance, and, and really a phenomenal store. So if you haven't been down there in person, I highly suggest uh, that you check it out. And while you're down there, uh, maybe send uh, Dave a, a ping over there at Pin Booster, and he'll show you what they're doing over there as well. Really very exciting what they're uh, what they're on to. So uh, you're listening to the 10th. Uh, show that I have hosted here on Tech Talk, and for me it's an exciting uh, milestone for numerous different reasons. Last week I was in my five-year-old's uh, career day class, and uh, I do a lot of different things, uh, many in entrepreneurship, very difficult to explain to five-year-olds, uh, but I explained to them that I have a radio show, and that turned me into an instant rock star, which was pretty exciting. Uh, so for me it's uh, it's exciting to be here and to share uh, with all of you, and, and welcome welcome your feedback, advice, uh, and hopeful participation in future shows of Tech Talk. Today, uh, for those following in the news, so obviously we'll, we'll make a brief mention, this isn't the topic of the show, but uh, but today uh, we commemorate the passing of Ariel Sharon, Prime Minister of Israel. Uh, the Levaya, the funeral was this morning, our time in, uh, in Israel. Um, and uh, also commemorate and celebrate uh, the return of Caleb Jacoby, uh, who last week many of us were uh, were praying for his safe return, and, and thank God uh, he was returned to his family as well. Uh, however, in the in the very micro tech world, uh, last week was sort of a hakel uh, experience, a a gathering of everybody uh, to see some of the latest and greatest uh, in terms of tech at a week long convention in Vegas, and we're very blessed to have on a all star reporter. Uh, coming to share with us his thoughts, his views, uh, in terms of what he saw this past week in Vegas at the CES conference. We're excited to have Ellie Blumenthal join us on the line. Uh, Ellie's been writing and reviewing technology for more than half a decade. He works at USA Today, where he assists the personal tech columnist Edward Baig in covering the latest technology advances. He is presently a sophomore at Baruch College. While in high school, Ellie created the website Teens Talk Tech a site designed to help explain new technologies such as new cell phones and tablets to teens in a way that can be easily understood. Teens Talk Tech has received more than 100,000 visits a month, which is incredibly impressive. And as we welcome Eli onto the line, I'm actually apologizing. I don't know whether it's Eli or Ellie. Uh, Eli or Ellie, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. And which is it? Uh, either one works. Either, <laughs> as, as you know, just an in- interesting uh, tidbit for those people who communicate. You are the first person that I communicated with 
uh, for the very first time just by sending a direct message to on Twitter. I was following your Twitter feed from your reporting at the conference, and uh, it was actually sent to me by somebody else that I also saw at the conference, and he said, I'm not the right guy, but check out what uh, what Eli, Eli or Ellie, what do you prefer? Come on. Eli's fine. <laughs> there we go. Uh, what Eli is doing there, and I sent you a message, and you responded almost immediately, and to me it was pretty exciting, but I discovered... This is a little bit strange. We haven't spoken on the phone. I feel like I know you fairly well because we've communicated, but E L I can be, can go a couple different ways. So for me, this is, this, you know, sort of fun experience. So Eli, we're excited to have you on the line. Um, and it seems like you've accomplished a tremendous amount for, uh, for being only halfway through college. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so tell us a little bit just about Teens Talk Tech, when you started it and sort of what the drive was to start that. Well, I started as a uh, freshman in high school. Wow. And uh, the drive was really that I, you know, I've always been interested in technology. And a lot of my friends, you know, would ask me what new cell phone to buy, you know, what I thought of this, what I thought of that. And, you know, I was always interested. I was telling them anyway, so I figured other teenagers must have similar questions as well. Right. And, you know, technology is still, you know, hard to understand for a lot of people who don't follow it constantly. Because sure. it's constantly changing and there's, you know, this processor is faster, you know, it's got this much RAM. It's, you know, if you don't follow, those words are just, you know, big words that don't mean much. Right. So try to simplify it in a way that, you know, the average teenager, when they walked into a Best Buy or a Verizon or an AT&T, if they're looking for a phone or a computer or whatever, they knew what was going on. They knew, you know, not to buy this phone because the next phone was going to come out the next week. Just keep updated and uh, in a way that made sense. And, you know, thank God it's, it's done well. And how do you stay so updated on meaning when the next phone is? This is you're you're tuned into the social media. You're working back channels as well. A little bit of both. Okay, that's exciting. And uh, so you started this as a freshman in high school. You're now a sophomore at Baruch College. Teens Talk Tech. How long have you been affiliated with USA Today? I've been working with them for uh, close to two years now. Wow, that's exciting. What number CES uh, conference was this for you? This was my second. This was your second. So for the audience listening out there who may have attended, you know, Kosher Fest is sort of a big deal for us. Uh, you know, I'm sure there are a whole slew of other uh, uh, conferences that people would go to. I don't think CES is like anything else uh, that's out there. Sort of walk our audience through what it's like and, you know, the, sort of the, the, the goal of the conference. Well, CES happens every January for the last 40-something years. And uh, it's basically 150,000 people, gadget aficionados, uh, exhibitors, uh, press, flocking down to Las Vegas for just a week of gadgets. So there's a lot of, you know, backdoor meetings between companies, you know, discussing what products to sell. There's a lot of announcements. On the past, the VCR, the Xbox, the DVD, the Blu-ray have all been announced during CES. It's just a gadget, you know, heaven. Right. So it's... uh. Anybody with a hankering for any of these things, this is sort of the, not sort of, this is the place to be. Can can you address briefly, I'd seen in years past, and I didn't see a big deal about it this year, that some of the big guys, Apple, etc., moved away from presenting at CES themselves. Um, were they there this year? Um, well, Apple and Microsoft haven't been at the show for the last couple of years. Apple hasn't been there for the last 20-something years. And Microsoft, up until very recently, always had a big announcement. Now, you know, they they still are there, mm-hmm. but not in any large official capacity. They're no longer hosting keynotes or, you know, making big announcements. They save those for private events. 
Right. So Apple and Microsoft sort of moved away to that. So who are the who are the bigger players at CES today? Like the the can't miss big guys. Right. The can't miss big guy has to be Sony. Okay. I mean, they out of you know everyone they announced a whole slew of new products. They announced uh, a new cell phone, the Xperia Z1s, which is a new high end phone, which is not typically announced at CES. So this phone is a flagship phone. It's got all the latest features, ready to compete with the Galaxy and the iPhone. Um, they announced some really cool things as far as TVs are concerned. Uh, PlayStation Home, I don't know if you're a big gamer, REA. Not, not, not nearly as much as I think I would probably be addicted to it. So, no, I'm not such a big gamer at the moment. But go ahead. We're, we're excited. Let's hear about it. Well, the PlayStation Home is basically combining a PlayStation with a Sony TV. So you don't have two different boxes. It's integrated into the TV. So you just add a controller and you and an internet connection, and you could start playing PlayStation Three like games. So your, t- right your, your TV, your TV is the game station, right? So are you familiar with the smart TVs? Sure, but tell our audience a little bit more about it, please. Okay, so the smart TVs are basically all these apps that you get on your TV, right? So Samsung, Sony, Vizio, Panasonic, you name a TV guy, they probably have all these apps. Most people don't know that these apps are there, and most people don't use them. But, you know, they're getting stronger and they're getting more powerful. And Sony's, you know, have gotten powerful enough that they've actually decided to start throwing in PlayStation games um, where so you can play. if somebody's out there looking to purchase a TV today or tomorrow, what's the goal of the smart TV? Is, is it like one of these technologies that's not quite there yet and we should be waiting off a year or two? Or what, what's sort of the concept of the smart TV? Well, the smart TV is, is similar. It's basically bringing more content onto your TV mm-hmm. without plugging in extra, you know, boxes. So it works the same as an Apple TV or an Xbox. You can do things like watch HBO or YouTube or Netflix or browse the web or open a, a whole bunch of games or apps. It's like your smartphone, all the apps of your smartphone coming to your TV. So it, it, we are moving towards greater integration in between where our computers run TV, our TVs turn into computers, and our smartphones are sort of a bridge in between both of them. Is that? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's very, very well said. Okay. So to, to me, that's fascinating. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I was just, uh, I happen to be an avid football fan. So, you know, I was trying to catch the Bronco game yesterday as a Denverite. And, uh, so, you know, two people said you're not watching on your iPad. And I had no idea that my iPad could watch. Apparently, a lot of the stations for the playoffs will stream for free. Um, the, the the football games and and it you know is an interesting concept that your iPad turns into sort of all these devices in between okay so the smart TV so so what did Sony come out with they've got this PlayStation so is it more affordable than buying a PlayStation what's the who cares they haven't announced pricing but it's cool you know if you're looking for a lot of TVs CES just in general is a big place for TVs okay uh, at least it has been for the last few years but it's, it's you know it's just a cool advancing of technology and TVs. They're no longer just a screen right? that you have to plug things into to make work. They're now, you buy the TV and you can do a lot more right out of the box. And that, that's what was really really cool and important about this announcement. So maybe when I was telling my mom I was doing homework for watching, you know, whatever it was that I was watching at this point in time, you might actually be telling the truth, right? By uh, being, in front of the, being in front of the TV, you very well could be doing homework or on an app that would be relevant for... Uh, Probably school, but more likely gaming, I guess, depending. Well, there are a lot of education apps out there as well. I know Samsung has a whole, has a, you know, a few of them on their TVs. Mm-hmm. It, it's very much like a smartphone. You know, they're trying to develop these, you know, ecosystems, or encouraging developers to create applications for the TVs. 
to you know make them more useful. So another frontier. Another frontier. So one of the things that I was reading about, and I believe it came out last year, but I haven't seen them in real life yet. Uh, the curved TV. Yes, the curved TVs. That was a very big theme of CES 2014, and. Uh, the, the premise of a curved TV as opposed to a you know, flat screen that you have on your computer or your phone or your TV right. is that it's supposed to be more immersive. So they say that when you're watching regular TV on a regular flat screen, it's the light from the edges are going away, and this keeps it more focused toward you. It's like wrapping around you. Um, I saw them, a few of them, they're, they're done with everywhere. I saw a few of them in person. They're very cool. I only saw them for a few minutes, so I'm not sure if I can say that, you know, it does exactly what, you know, they're claiming it to do. Right. But uh, definitely uh, definitely something to watch, and we'll see. They'll start coming out to the market later this year, so it'll be interesting to see how they do. Now, in terms of the thinness, if that's a word, um, yeah. are these also, the curved TVs are also things that could be wall-mounted? Is, is that right? Yes, they can be wall-mounted. They are absurdly thin. Uh-huh. I mean, everything in the industry moves towards thinner and lighter, and TVs are no exception to that. And another big thing with TVs is that all these, in addition to being you know thin and curved, they're also 4K. Okay, what's so, 4K? So, right, so 4K is basically four times HD. Which wow. Which means that the picture, if you thought HD was good, mm-hmm. you haven't seen anything until 4K. 4K is the pictures are just clearer, the colors are crisper, brighter, It's it's just a major upgrade, but unlike when you were going from standard to HD, where you saw immediately like that how crisp and clear the picture was, sure. 4K isn't always, the, the difference isn't always that clear, especially because the HD is so good today. So, And there's also the other issue with uh, 4K is that there's not a lot of content right now. So right. there are not a lot of programs ready for, there's not a lot of TV networks broadcasting in 4K, there aren't that many movies being shipped in 4K. Netflix is trying to fix that by announcing that they will, beginning with, uh, are you a House of Cards fan, are you? Um, Breaking Bad fan? Uh, no, but I recently have followed on, on Twitter that, uh, that the president was discussing House of Cards, I think, with some visitors last week. So that, to me, was intriguing. And, right. Uh, House- well, I don't have time to watch House of Cards. How he does, I'm not exactly positive. But anyways. <laughs> you should watch House of Cards. a great show. Okay. Um, but, uh. The big news with that is that they will be streamed in 4K. So Netflix is starting to really House of Cards. Just for those who don't know, is a, is a program. It won uh, won some Emmys. It won the Golden Globe last night, and uh, it's something made directly from Netflix. Netflix is producing their own shows now. They do that with Orange Is the New Black, House of Cards, a couple other shows. But the big news at CES was that this will be streamed in 4K, and it's a major program. House of Cards, obviously winning all these awards. Sure. So for that to be streamed in 4K when it comes out for the second season, I believe, in February, that's pretty big news. And they've also announced that they will be streaming 4K as apps on uh, all these new TVs. See, that's really interesting. I remember when they were buying HD TVs and that was coming out. So uh, people bought it but couldn't always tell the difference. It was because the product wasn't actually being created in HD. Uh, which is interesting. So I want to drill down a little bit more to that and move away from the TVs also because I'm sure there's a lot more to talk about. I want to remind our audience that they're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Ari Lightstone, and this is our 10th Tech Talk together. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org and 
or NahumSiegel.com and see us streaming live there as well. As always, we're proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person as I did this week at 42 West 18th Street. We are here with Eli Blumenthal uh, hearing all about CES. And the one piece that I wanted to, to speak about before we sort of leave the, the TV market and, and go into some of the other things at CES to me, as not an avid TV watcher, other than on occasion a football game, the technology that comes out in TVs, sort of you see next in the on the computer screens, and then you see after that on either the iPads or the or the cell phones. Is that are we going to anticipate curved phones? Well, it's funny you mentioned that LG this week announced that uh, they will be shipping their first curved phone to the U.S. very shortly, called the LG G Flex. Okay, you know it looks. At first glance, it looks just like any other 5-inch Android phone. It's got a beautiful HD screen. Pictures look clear. It's very fast. But it's got a couple of cool features. One of them is that the screen is actually curved. LG believes, you know, that this will also help the movie experience. A lot of people watch videos on their phone, whether it's Vine or Instagram or, of course, YouTube. So they think that this will be a, a unique feature for them that will help uh, help sell some phones. I have to imagine that what's it called? I have to imagine that uh, that uh, it'll be popular to have just to say that you have the cur- first curved uh, phone, whether it makes much of a difference or not. Because I, I are the phones going to be coming out in 4K also? Is that something that we can anticipate? A little bit down the road, maybe. Uh-huh. But what's cool with the G Flex, actually, what I found cooler than the uh, than the curved screen was that the back. You know, everyone has their phone in their pockets; so they all get scratched up. It gets very frustrating very quickly. Right. With the G Flex, what LG actually did, which I find to be the coolest feature, is that when it takes these scratches, it has some kind of self-healing coating on the back of the phone that will make those scratches disappear. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like magic. So, <laughs> so when I scratch my phone, that uh, the the phone will will unscratch itself. Yeah, when not not major scratches, you can't you know take a knife and stab it. Right. But on the back of the phone, the the front is still glass, so I don't think it works as well there. But the back of the phone, you know, help it keep that pristine new look a little bit longer. Okay, but it's not going to do away with all the kiosks in the mall that you bring, you know, your iPad or your phone, and it's got no, no, eleven no. cracks. In your, it. If you drop your phone on concrete, the glass will most likely still break. It those those guys are kiosk. Those guys are still going to stay in business for now. <laughs> ah, okay, good, because those are my favorite people to invite over for a Shabbat meal. So that's uh, that's exciting. Um, so for those uh, l- listening out there, uh, please take note and, and follow Eli Blumenthal. He is a rising star in the world of tech and tech reporting. Uh, the best way to follow him and, and some of what he's doing out there is at Eli, E-L-I Blumenthal, B-L-U-M-E-N-T-H-A-L. And uh, you can go through his Twitter feed and see all of his uh, reaction reports to what's going on at CES. Okay, so once once we got past Sony and we saw the TV and the curved TVs and the LG something flex, which sounds pretty cool, what else did you see out there that might be a little bit uh, out of the box or, or dare I say, strange? Uh, self-driving cars. <laughs> does, that, does that feel out of the box? That, that, that is both out of the box and as well as strange. Yeah, what does that mean? So uh, Audi as well as Bosch were showing a, uh, a whole bunch of prototypes of self-driving cars. BMW was there as well, and uh, as you would imagine, mind-blowing stuff. You get in a car, and it can, you know, take you where you want to go. Now, the technology is still very early. Right. 
even though we have some implement some you know parts of it implemented today, you can have your car park for you in some of the you know higher end models. They could do things like lane assist, which just keep you in your lane, uh, hit the brakes for you automatically. Those are all available today. But what they were showing off Audi and BMW was that it could actually do everything. It could drive for you if you're and even in the most insane conditions. So BMW, for example, uh took a whole bunch of people out to the Las Vegas racetrack and they wetted the track. They had it doing insane curves, just like, you know, you would on a dark night coming back from the mountains. Sure. And it handled, the car handled everything perfectly. With no, I mean, you have a driver in the front seat, but he's not touching the wheel. He's not touching the gas, all controlled by the car. So when you go to CES, how do you... A, no to follow this. I mean, I imagine you were watching the video. Did you get a chance to go in the car? I didn't get a chance. I met with them, but I did not get a chance to uh, go in the car. Okay, so I want to go to CES next year. How do I make sure that I'm one of those guys who gets to go in the car? Got to get there early. That that thing booked out really quick. <laughs> ah, so they, But th- there's like a sign-in sheet. You go to the BMW station, and, and you can sign in to be one of the people in the car? Um, Something like that. You have to uh, talk with them. They're not doing... I don't believe they were doing large open demos. Uh-huh. I think that was just for some people of the press. Okay. But uh, who knows what they'll do next year. Okay, so so they take you on this road, the guy's in the driver's seat, and then the car just drives itself. Just drives itself. Uh, there's another company, Vallejo. Yeah. That uh, was showing off a sort of self-parking valet. You get out of the car, you press a button, and the car just parallel parks itself into a spot. <laughs> Is that where the, the wheels turn... The wheels Basically turn 90 everything. degrees. It's as if a driver's in the car, but obviously there is none. Aha. Uh-huh. And th- as I understand, the large issues with self-driving cars are mostly insurance issues. It's not that the technology isn't technically almost there, but it's where does the liability go if, if you know, God forbid, and it seems to be inevitable, there's some form of uh, damage either caused by the, the self-driving car by somebody else to the self-driving car. Right, so that's a big issue, obviously, and that's something, you know, still to be determined. Sure. But uh, as far as CS was concerned, it was more showing off the cool technology. And what what's Bosch doing playing in this place? Don't they, they do cars? Well, they were they were doing a lot with cars here. Um, they were just showing off. I, I'm, I wasn't, I didn't get to, a chance to fully stop by there. I saw their thing in action. Mm-hmm. They sponsored this whole pavilion where they basically had uh, amongst other things, an electronic golf cart that was just basically driving itself, as as I just said, just driving itself. <laughs> There's nothing more to be said after that. Right. It's going around, it's stopping, it's starting letting people off and on, and, you know, there's no wheel to turn in there. It's just a lot of seats. It just does itself. Oh, wow. that's got, And it's just driving around the convention center? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so if there are 150,000 people at CES, how many... Booth displays, uh, can you estimate or can you even estimate, are there presenting something? <laughs> That's, I can't even estimate. I can tell you that in my four days there, I've walked over, I've walked close to 30 miles. Wow. Wow, that's Just, the, that's the that right thing. That gives a little perspective, and it's all over Vegas, too. A lot of companies are doing things in hotels just because there's so much. Right, it's not physically under one roof. There's probably not one roof that's large enough to to, to host that. No, no, no. Unfortunately, it's 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 spread out pretty big. Yeah, I'm sure Vegas is not upset about that. Okay, so so driving cars, curved TVs, phones that are coming out with new technology. What el- what else did you see there? 
Uh, are you a pet person, Arye? A pet person? I had fish, and my parents did tell me that my pet turtle ran away as a child. So that was, you know, <laughs> pretty much as far as I got in terms of caring for things. Uh-huh. Sorry to hear about your turtle. But, yeah, thank uh, you. Here's something really cool, Pat. So are you familiar with wearables at all? The wearables are basically the Fitbits, the uh, Nike Plus that you have on your wrist that tell you things like what you, uh, activity trackers. Right. So how many miles you've walked how you're sleeping, and all that. So there's this new company called Voice, V-O-Y-C-E, that created one of those type of wearables just for your dog. So it's a collar, goes around your dog, and it will let you know how your dog's feeling, if, you know, is how its heart is, if it needs, you know, medical attention. Now, obviously, the big problem with dogs and pets in general is, you know, when they get sick, it's, you know, it's usually, you usually find out when it's too late. Right. So this is, you know, one of those preventive kind of technologies. You, again, it just sits like a regular dog collar, but it's got all these sensors in it to help monitor things like like how its heart is performing and, you know, all those uh, an issue similar to that just to, uh, just to keep you on your toe. And it, it can sync up with an app on your computer, and it can also let your vet know how things are going. That is incredibly, as a, as a non-pet person, as I sort of alluded to beforehand, that's really cool. I mean, it's because you, you're dealing with the uh, lack of ability to communicate in a meaningful way, although many of my friends who are pet people feel that they can communicate in, in some ways, and I guess maybe they can, but, uh, but that gives you the real bio, uh, you know, concept that they're striving for. That's really interesting. Is there, is there a large pet uh, consumer industry out there represented at CES? Um, I'm not sure how much was represented at CES, but I know it's out there. Okay. I wouldn't have anticipated anything like that at CES. That's really cool. Okay. What what else did you see? Uh, well, there's this new company called Oculus. And are you familiar with augmented reality? Yes, but maybe give our audience a 30-second okay, so uh, intro. All right. So augmented reality is basically putting a digital effect onto reality. doesn't sound that's still very complicated. So it's basically adding a digital component to your life. So if you're in an app, you take out your, there are a ton of apps for it on your smartphone, and it uses your camera. So you look at your screen. It looks like you're looking at the world, but then you start seeing pop-ups of, you know, restaurants or tweets or things like that. Now, there's this company, Oculus, who created a set of goggles. Now, these goggles, they plug into uh, a computer or to a game console, and they basically put you in the game. You put them on your head, you look around, you are looking at the game. You look down, you're still in the game, right, left, up, down, you name it. You are in that virtual world, and it works well. So this, that, But this is an augmented reality. This is a whole different reality, or, right. lack, or lack of reality. Right, so it's, it's going a little bit further. It's augmented reality, but further. Okay, so, but what, you're sitting still when you're doing this, or you're walking around? I can be on the subway doing this. How's that working? Um, you could do it sitting down, walking. It's, it's you're putting it on your head. So obviously I don't recommend walking because you have no vision outside of what's on that. Right. The goggles are fully immersive. Wow. So you're, you're completely in it. You're completely outside of the, quote, real world. So it's, as if you're a gamer, this is crazy. They're talking about things uh, where this could be applied in medicine, in surgery, in all kinds of applications pretty wild stuff. It's really hard to explain on the phone, but hopefully it'll be out uh, later this year or next year, and it, it's 
mind-blowing. If you thought the driverless cars were cool, right? where do you try this? See, as a parent of young kids, I'm a little bit nervous. You know, on, on occasion, our kids will take a phone and, you know, watch something on the, the YouTube or play Angry Birds or what have you. And, uh, you know, you have to say their name like four times to somehow get them out of whatever zone that they're in. Now, you're, te- <laughs> now you're telling me there's something fully immersive. It's not that they're zoned out. They're, they're physically in a different reality at that point in time. That, that to me, is where you see the, the incredible advances. I mean, I remember playing, you know, going to see those virtual reality games at Dave & Buster's or whatever else it would be when that first came out because it was a cool technology to look at. Then you were sort of part of it and you're like, this isn't really a cool technology. It basically is, you know, something that just makes you nauseous very quickly. Um, and, and now you're talking about it. It's really one of these new realities that you're actually in that's uh, both equally incredible and, uh, and, and a little bit terrifying um, all at the same time. We, we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, Eli, share with us, you know, maybe one or two more things that, uh, that you encountered, uh, there at CES. And, and we promised to have you, uh, and, uh, and your team from USA Today on, because I'm fascinated and I'm sure our audience would be as well about the whole concept of reporting on tech. But, uh, but here live from CES, share with us another tidbit or two, uh, in the couple minutes that we've got left. Sure. Um, so, did you hear about the news from T-Mobile? It's pretty big news last week. They're making the rounds on all the local uh, or all the major shows. Right. I, well, I saw. I got the news broken on your Twitter feed, but uh, ah. but share, share with everybody what uh, what T-Mobile came out with last week. So carriers in the past have been charging you know exorbitant fees for data and for calling and things like that. It's just been a, a a mess of a system. Right. Well, T-Mobile over the last year has started to you know try to become the quote as they put it uncarrier. So they got rid of two-year contracts. You can upgrade whenever you want. You could travel abroad and, you know, have free calling and texting and data without having to get a separate SIM or without having to do any changes to your plan without coming back and, you know, seeing a $6,000 bill because you turned on your phone and got a couple emails. Right. So at CES, they took things to the next level. So in an attempt to get people to come over, they got rid of, what's known in the industry as early termination fees. Early termination fees, or ETFs, are the fees that the carriers put on you once you upgrade and you sign a two, new contract. Right. Which two years. Right. So this has been preventing a lot of people from switching because, you know, you just got that new iPhone. Sure, where am I going? I don't want to spend the six, 700 bucks. Right, so it's, it's $600, just to cancel your contract. So T-Mobile says for families up to five lines, they will uh, they will cover the ETF, so you'll pay it and they'll pay you, and then you switch over to T-Mobile. They'll give you a new phone. They'll buy your old phone off you, so you can actually even make money in this proposition. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll give you a new phone, and and their plans are much cheaper and they're unlimited. And uh, it, it was pretty big news. And uh, and uh, the T-Mobile CEO is a very fun and interesting person to listen to as he uh, rants against the industry. But this. This was big, and hopefully it will uh, continue to ignite some change in the industry because, as we all know, cell phone bills are only getting higher. Right. And uh, uh, we all need them. We, we, correct. It's, it's a necessity, and it seems like you get squeezed at almost every alternative, but you've got lots of the, the smaller players are popping up, giving some options, Metro PC, et cetera. Uh, Want to talk more about Mobile that? Loans. 
Right. Want to talk more about that? We will have you on on a future show to discuss maybe in just the mobile phone uh, industry uh, on Tech Talk. You've been listening to Eli Blumenthal. It's really been a pleasure to have you on, and we look forward uh, to following you on Twitter and and reading you and and having you on on future shows. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arya. Have a great day. You too. Okay, so uh, those of you out there, you're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arye Lightstone. As I've been saying throughout the show, this is my 10th show, and it's really been an exciting ride, learning a lot and interacting with all of you and our outstanding guests. You can listen to us on jmandtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, much more than a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street, Our guest for the second half of our show is none other than Todd Goldstein. Todd co-founded Launch House with the mission to invest, develop, and foster promising idea stage startups in northeastern Ohio. Since Launch House first opened its doors, Goldstein, Todd, has helped grow a diverse portfolio of 40, 40, excuse me, portfolio companies including Intelligent Mobile Support, Noda, and Good Greens Bars. To date, the Launch House portfolio companies have raised more than $9 million in follow-up funding. And prior to his ventures at Launch House, Goldstein worked in business operations for various Cleveland-area companies. And while working for Crestview Management, Goldstein managed a 40-person team and quadrupled the revenue of his division. We're very honored and excited to have on this morning Todd Goldstein from Launch House. Todd, are you there? I'm here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. It is not often that we have somebody... Featured in Crane's Cleveland Business 40 Under 40 on our show, and we are very excited to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited as well to be on the show. Okay, thank you. You know, I've been trying in previous shows to explain to the audience a little bit about what a launch house is like, and I think sort of in the New York area, in the uh, Northern California area, there's sort of a startup culture that exists, obviously much more in Northern California, growing fairly rapidly here in New York. Uh, can you explain sort of what Launch House has done to the city of Cleveland? So w- when we started Launch House uh, in 2008, uh, we actually started under a different name, and then in 2010 we felt that we needed a more entrepreneurial name, so we changed the name to Launch House. Really nothing existed. If you were an entrepreneur, there was no place you could go where there was an ability to get in small amounts of inv- investment capital, typically Five to twenty-five thousand dollars in seed stage investment capital, resources, mentorship, classes—you know, the basic stuff from you know an ideation session of you know I have an idea but I don't know what to do with the idea, or even the simple thought of you know should I even be an entrepreneur? I mean, a lot of times what you'll see is people start businesses but should never be working for themselves, and you know two years later, a divorce later, there'll be three hundred thousand dollars in debt, and you know when my partner and I we were both twenty the time roughly we you know we said to ourselves you know there's all these resources that are kind of i would say later stage investment here in cleveland but nothing was really focused on the idea stage entrepreneur to help that person surround them with a community a space like i said resources capital mentorship to help them validate their product and help them determine if there's really an opportunity and you know what i what i like to say is our our space is kind of a combination of y combinator and plug-and-play tech center in California. Um, in Chicago, it's a little bit like 1871 with an accelerator built into it. And, you know, I haven't been to any of the spaces in, the, in New York. I hope to get out the coworkers, but I'm assuming it's it's probably a little bit like a coworkers, um, 
but again, we're in a former abandoned car dealership, so we have over 27,000 square feet. Wow. So you, you threw out a lot of names and a lot of, uh, a lot of locations uh, that some of our audience is probably familiar with. Uh, probably much of it is not because at the, at the end of the day, many of us uh, and many of our listeners, I feel, are, are more akin to what I'll call traditional um, employee and ownership opportunities that I think our community has gravitated to for at least one, if not two or three generations. Um, and while I think many of us view Cleveland as a old, traditional community, certainly from a Jewish community perspective, if you go to launchhouse.com, and I encourage all of our audience to go out there, just looking at the webpage, and I know you can't tell everything from a webpage, but now having spoken to many people in and about the Launch House community, it just seems new and cutting edge and dynamic. So I'm going to ask you to walk our audience through just a little bit what it means to be a co-working uh, space, what the events are, what an accelerator really does. So let, let's start first with co-working space. Sure. So our space today is, as you said, a co-working. Part of it is a co-working slash, I almost call it like an office park. So in about, I would say almost eight or 9,000 square feet of our space, we have an area much like a Starbucks or any sort of coffee shop where people can pay one monthly fee, which is $125 a month, they get access to the space 24 by 7. They can use conference rooms. They can come sit at our tables or work at our dedicated desks. And they can come to any one of our events and utilize the space kind of on a, you know, whenever they need it. So if they're, you know, working on an idea and they want to come in at 10 o'clock at night, we have a swipe card. They come swipe their card. They come work out of the space. We have some people that get here every morning at 9 o'clock and work till 5. It's very much kind of a flexible space that, you know, as long as you're a member, you can come and use. Once you get a little bit past that kind of membership stage of, you know, hey, I've got this idea, I'm just kind of hanging out here, we actually have offices you could rent. So you get your own um, kind of 100 to 150 square foot office or 10 by 10, 12 by 12 office for $500 a month. And that, again, comes with, you know, free Internet, coffee, you know, access to the space, access to our events, access to the conference room. But it's kind of, you know, kind of like a graduation process. So I... I, 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 you know, typically the way people find launch houses, they'll read about us, you know, on blogs, newspaper, you know, kind of we're out in the community advocating for entrepreneurship and innovation. Um, but a lot of times people will come to an event or they'll come to, you know, meet someone at launch house and they'll be like, you know, hey, this is a cool space. You know, I, I've been thinking about starting a business or I just want to be around entrepreneurs. So they'll quickly determine, hey, you know, it's worth it for me to pay $125 a month to get a gym membership and, you know, let me test this out. And then a lot of times what you'll find is within a matter of a couple months, these people go from I'm testing it out to I want to start a business, and now I need my own desk or my own office. Right. And that's kind of how the, how the gradual step takes place. That's really um, cool. And, and for $125 a month, when they're in there for an hour or two, maybe 10 hours a day, depending on the person, is there a lot of uh, – cooperation or coordination amongst the other entrepreneurs there or that just happens naturally no it's i mean it really happens naturally i mean the space is so fluid i mean you know it, depending on the day you might get executives from Fort city enterprise you might get executives from you know large venture capital firms private equity firms coming through launch house so for you know an entrepreneur you know i'll tell you a story about a company called uh a tenant magic um you know, they're, uh, they're doing tenant screening technology that they've developed. 
Well, in a matter of a week, we had um, Albert Ratner, who was former you know, CEO and chairman of the board for Fort City, come through the space, and someone from another real estate company. So this person, who's just trying to get their business off the ground, now got connected for, you know, for being in the space and paying $125 a month. They got connected with one of the largest real estate companies in the country. Yeah, pretty, so pre- it, <laughs> pretty, pretty good return on your, uh, your investment right there. It's a great return. I mean, I, I say to people, it's the best 125 hours anyone could ever spend because you never know who's going to walk through our door. And, um, but, but that's just, you know, that's just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg because, you know, to, to, with the co-working in the office, we then put on events. And typically it's two to 300 events per year. And those are broad range. I mean, we've brought in John Medved, who's an international uh, venture capitalist who lives in Israel. Um, you know, recently we had someone in from Israel who um, um, they create the first unmanned space vehicle to go to the moon. They're working on it um, out of Israel. Um, you know, we have typically we'll have CEOs um, of, you know, startup companies come in. We've had someone who worked with Priceline come in and give a talk about how Priceline got started. Um, we do... You know, most recently we had CFO for startups where we brought in, you know, different CFOs to talk about, you know, how to kind of put your books together correctly to make sure your company's in a position to grow based on how you structure your financing. Well, typically on a quarterly basis, do it with attorneys as well. Because a lot of times small businesses, whether you're a high-tech, high-growth company or you're trying to start a service business, they don't know how to legally structure themselves, so they get stuck in the weeds. You know, we don't want entrepreneurs spending 10 or 20 or even 30 hours you know, I need an operating agreement. I need to put my set up my QuickBooks. Entrepreneurs need to be out there doing their customer development, pounding the pavement, doing their research, understanding their customers. Because without knowing their customers, they they don't know what a customer is going to buy, and they can't get, really get their business off the ground. Right. So we'd so you... rather see our customers do that and bring in all the resources and mentorship to help alleviate the things that most entrepreneurs get bogged down with. Right. So instead of spending the forty hours or more trying to figure out you know, sort of the details, you wind up uh, perhaps even losing the business opportunity. Here you take care of that in a more vanilla way and allow the entrepreneurs do what they're supposed to do, which is to be entrepreneurial. Yep, absolutely. Oh, that's, hey, that's awesome. Hit it, right, hit it right in the head. Um, and then, you know, lastly, we run an accelerator program. Actually, we run two types of accelerator programs. The first is we run a 12-week accelerator program where we typically invest $20,000 per company in 10 companies. And that's focused on high-tech, high-growth, um, software, robotics, technology, hardware companies. Um, and so that, you know, typically we kick the we, the application process typically opens in the spring, and we typically run that accelerator starting in the fall. Last year, we ran that accelerator program and, you know, that's what's now allowed our, our portfolio to grow to 51 portfolio companies that have now raised over $10 million in follow-up funding. But we actually took our model and said, you know something? Because unemployment is so high for high school kids throughout the country, and, you know, high school kids are starting to look and say, you know, with student debt rising, should we go to college? We actually developed the first high school accelerator program in the country where we agreed to give I think it was $600 to nine teams, ultimately nine team high school kids, nine teams. We have $600 to each team, took them through a six-week high school accelerator program, and by the end of that six weeks, 
four of the nine teams had hired eight additional employees and were generating revenue. Wow. These were high school kids. And these weren't seniors. These were freshmen, sophomores, and kids going into their junior year. <laughs> I was going to say, if you wind up so successful, you might actually wind up adding to the, uh, forget the college dropout phenomenon of, uh, of the tech world, the high school dropout phenomenon. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, really, you know, yes, we're excited about making investments in high-tech, high-growth companies. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how old you are, but I remember being in high school when the last boom and bust happened with the Internet uh, technology. And I look at things today, and I look at the companies going public, and I look at the pipeline of companies going public, and I say to myself, this feels a lot like 1999 all over again. And, and right, you know, back in the 90s, there was one incubator, then there were hundreds of incubators. Today, you know, it started with the Y Combinator and Techstarters in, you know, the mid-2000s, and now there's hundreds of accelerators all over the country that are investing in all sorts of companies and, you know, the probability of, you know, you know, Facebook or Twitter is, you know, one in, you know, maybe one in a million. Right. So, you know, we're looking and saying, okay, you know, knowing that at some point, you know, there will be, you know, five accelerators in the country and not a hundred, you know, where else can we focus our efforts to ingrain ourselves to really build a strong entrepreneurial community, not just here, but build the foundation to then take this model all over the country. And we think high school is the ideal next spot. So I, I very much want to drill into that in one minute. I just want to remind our listeners that they're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, you're listening with R.E.A. Lightstone, as I've been reminding you throughout this show. This is my 10th show, and it's really been an honor here uh, to spend time with you, our listeners, as well as our guests. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. Special shout-out to ZK, who's been walking me through this. And really appreciate it. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera ch- store. Please check them out at, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. I believe this is also our third show where we are streaming live as well at nachumsegel.com. We are speaking now to Todd Goldstein out of Cleveland, Ohio, co-founder of Launch House. Um, before we get to the teen, um, accelerator movement. The one thing that I, I think that it's important to uh, rehash or, or to go over a little bit more carefully with the audience is that when you are encouraging entrepreneurialism, and I, I, I feel your question, the, the companies out there that seem to be going at ridiculous multiples with actual zero clarity in terms of the value does remind a lot of people of the last boom and bust. Um, that doesn't seem like what Launch House is doing. If you look through your portfolio, there are a lot of companies that are not necessarily tech companies, but they are entrepreneurs starting new companies, some of which have immediate revenue and immediate value. Is that is that a fair assessment? That, that's absolutely fair. I mean, one of the things that we did when we started making our investments, we didn't always focus on the accelerator model. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our first 30 investments were non-accelerator based. They were more, you know, where can we add a small amount of capital and a lot of value to a company. And then we, we went to the accelerator model because we felt that we wanted to see how, you know, we could do over a focused 12-week session. And, you know, we made the decision that we weren't going to fo- focus solely on high-tech, high-growth companies because typically it's like a lottery ticket in a lot of cases, a high-tech, high-growth company. But when you invest in, I'll use Good Greens, for example, it's a company that we invested in about two and a half years ago the founder came to us and said, I have, I have an idea. I'm going to make a health food bar 
that tastes good, that's gluten-free, vegan, and kids, parents, everyone will want to eat it. And I said, if you can get a health food bar that kids will eat right. and it tastes good, you've got something. So about a week or two later, the guy came back with samples. And he said, I have no packaging. I have no name. You know, I, I've got this great idea. I have no employees. I have nothing. But I, I've got a first test client. How do I do this? And we said, you know something? We can help you do this. And that's what we did. And actually today, the company is good. At the end of this year, it's going to generate almost $4 million in revenue. Wow. And this is almost uh, right around, uh, yeah, two and a half years later. And, I mean, you know, it's not all about, I mean, everyone wants to get excited, right? Everyone wants you to believe that, you know, you can be the next Facebook, the next Twitter, the next Square. Mm-hmm. But, but really, that's not, those are not the sustainable businesses that make an economy grow. It's the small businesses that generate typically that five to twenty million dollar a year in revenue range that really build. That's really the economic development engine to, to really get an economy going and build business and really strengthen. And you know, our focus as yes, we invest in high tech, high growth companies. We're also focused on finding those companies that where you have a strong founder who's an expert in their industry at any age. That's, you know, that's sick of working for, you know, I say the man who's sick of, you know, you know, hitting the time clock every day. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, a vice president or you're sweeping floors. You know, there's a lot of innovative people out there that typically just need, you know, a couple thousand dollars to get their business started. And that's where we want to be. We want to help those people that you know, just need that little bit of runway to get that first client to launch their business. Now, now do you feel that there's unique opportunities for success in Cleveland because uh, there aren't 12 other accelerators, incubators, co-working spaces like this, um, and therefore this was a great opportunity? Do you see this really as a national opportunity as well? So, so when we started Launch House in Cleveland in 2008, nobody else was doing this in our space. Nobody was focusing on the idea stage entrepreneur, the, the really seed investment. Um, today you now have, we have, you know, multiple people have tried co-working and have failed. But, you know, we do have two other accelerator programs in Cleveland. And because Cleveland is not a really, you know, there's not really the resources to support a lot of high-tech companies. I mean, you got to remember, we're Cleveland, Ohio. We don't have, you know, developers by the truckload. I mean, you're lucky to find a few good software developers. Right. So when we had one, when, there was, when we were the only accelerator program in town, you know, there was a lot of deal flow. Now you've got three accelerators in town, one which runs two, two to three programs per year, and what you see is the quality of entrepreneur. Well, we've seen is that because we're kind of the first, we kind of get the first wave of the entrepreneur, and then typically if we don't take them, they'll then filter down to the other accelerator programs. So what you're seeing is that, you know, there aren't really the resources today to support all the tech entrepreneurs in Cleveland. And that's why, you know, as we evolve, we're looking around and saying, okay, it's not all about technology. It's not all about software. You know, manufacturing is coming back here in the United States. So, you know, how can we get into manufacturing technology? You know, what other opportunities exist to take the accelerator model we've developed to bring it to other sectors to grow those businesses? You know, in New York, you're going to have lots of accelerators, lots of co-working spaces, but again, everyone thinks they can be an entrepreneur. It's really tough to weed out those, those people that have ideas because ideas are a dime a dozen. When you really look at it, it's about the team it's the knowledge of the space in which they want to start a business. Right. So if you're if you're if you're a mechanical engineer and you're like, hey, I have a I create a product because I've spent 15 years developing products in this space. 
I would invest in you all day long over I want to build the next Facebook. Yeah, it's it's an odds game. And we're listening to Todd Goldstein from Launch House. Check them out, please, at launchhouse.com, L-A-U-N-C-H-H-O-U-S-E.com, launchhouse.com. So please check them out. They are really, really exciting, and, and really it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Todd. Can you tell me, I believe that there's a unique relationship that you actually have with the city of Cleveland with Launch House. Is that is that correct? So it's, it's actually the city of Shaker Heights. Okay. Um, it's a suburb. It's an inner ring suburb right out of Cleveland, right outside of Cleveland. Um, so in 2010, we had been in business for a little over two years. Um, the city had an abandoned car dealership in a, in a depressed part of their city that had been really hit hard by the foreclosure crisis. And they were going to spend about a half million dollars to knock this building down. And we went to them and we said, instead of spending a half million dollars to knock the building down, take the same half million dollars reinvest it into the space and make it home to entrepreneurship and innovation for Launch House. Um, what was unique about our partnership is we said, we just don't want you to do that. We want you to become our partner. And we said, we understand a city cannot take equity in a for-profit business. So there's a vehicle, which is a, it's called a Community Improvement Corporation. It's technically a vehicle that a city can set up. It's a nonprofit vehicle, and it allows them to you know make investments to really for community improvement. And we actually gave them equity in our business, and in return, they gave us a five-year tax and rent-free lease. But to take it a step further, because, you know, Launch House isn't just about investing in business. It's about building the overall community and really being an economic development engine for Shaker and for the region. So what we said was is that through your community improvement corporation, for all of the non-investment activity we're doing, so like the high school accelerator program, we're not investing in these companies. We're giving them $600 for free. Right. All these events we do. I mean, we've done over 5,000 office hours where we talk to anyone from a tech company to I want to open a restaurant. So we actually go out and raise foundation dollars, sponsorship dollars, grant dollars to help offset a lot of that nonprofit type work that we do that a typical venture fund or investment fund could never do because their investors only care about the return. So by combining the two models, which, we've, which we were the first in the country to do this, it gives you the ability to invest in companies to produce a return, but also at the same time also provide an economic development engine that can really create jobs and vibrancy to a community. And we're now actually looking at expanding this model all over the country. I was going to say it's got to be incredibly beneficial for the city government to be able to do that where – at the end of the day, let's face it, if you walked into a city government office wanting to, even if they had an entrepreneurial office where they were going to advise and guide you also for free, but it wasn't the environment that you've set up, they're just not going to be successful. This sounds like a unique situation where the city took a little bit of a gamble, because certainly setting a precedent is a gamble, but but did what's best for the city. And I imagine that has paid off uh, for Shaker Heights and Spades working with you guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we when we moved into this space, at the time, we'd only invest in 12 companies. We've now invested in 51 companies. On any given day, there's over 100 people working out of the space. Um, when we did the grand opening, we had Senator Sherrod Brown here, who was a huge supporter of Launch House. Um, he's the Ohio senator. Um, you know, we've had numerous CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs, business leaders in this space. I mean, it's you know, it really, you know, we took a part of the city where people didn't even think was part of Shaker Heights and now turned it into a part of the city where investors and developers are calling to say, okay, 
what where what can we redevelop on this street? And and that and that's a good sign for a city that was you know, Shaker Heights was built as kind of a bedroom community. It was known not to have businesses in it. But one of the you know, negative effects of that was real estate taxes went really high because they didn't have any commercial activities to, to, to offset the real estate tax base. And so it's really hurt the overall property values because higher taxes typically means lower property values. So by bringing launch house and hopefully the idea is these businesses will grow up and they'll create jobs and create, you know, more companies and more jobs and it'll help to lower the tax base over time and ultimately it'll hopefully drive up property values re re kind of uh, not renovate but reinvigorate a part of Shaker that got hit hard by the foreclosure crisis. Right. Uh, you're listening to Todd Goldstein, uh, CEO and partner of Launch House. Uh, who not only, I think, is participating in the rejuvenation of the Shaker Heights community, but has really uh, helped us articulate to myself and to the audience uh, part of the rejuvenation of our economy. At the end of the day, in 07, 08, uh, there was a tremendous feeling of despair and despondency about where things would go next, and certainly a lot of people lost jobs working for, as Todd said, the man, uh, and took that opportunity to find unique ideas where they can have a little bit more of their destiny in their own hands and to have... People like Todd and his team, I had the privilege of having dinner with Sam just a couple uh, couple weeks ago and look forward to meeting the rest of the team and maybe even having them on the show. Maybe we'll do a show live from Launch House. We'll have to talk about that. ZK and I are giving thumbs up, but we're going to Cleveland in the summer, I think, not in the winter. Uh, and, and what you've done is, is really incredible. And, and, you know, what I want to emphasize to our audience as well is that not all entrepreneurship, even though that gets the most of the buzz on a show that we call Tech Talk, uh, is necessarily about tech, and it's not all about buying a lottery ticket and creating the next Facebook or Twitter, uh, but it could be healthy uh, uh, health bars that uh, that even kids would uh, would eat. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Also, Todd, in the in the waning couple of moments that we've got, any other exciting uh, companies or ideas that uh, that you've seen that you want to share with our audience? Um, you know, I, I've seen, you know, there's, there's a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, there's a company we, in, you know, we, we invested in uh, about for really a great tool for businesses. It's called Quick to Launch. They're, uh, they've actually moved from Cleveland to Chicago. They're actually based out of 1871. Um, it's, uh, it pretty much allows companies to streamline their ability to, to do presentations. So everyone hates doing presentations, right? It's one of the most painful things in the world. You got it. And this company has really gotten it right. I mean, they've built, they've, they've done their customer development. They've, they've done their homework. They, they've got clients. They understand the market and they're out there making it easy for whether you're a, a, a startup business or you're a Fortune 500 company and you need to make presentations. This technology company is doing it right. And it's called Quick to Launch. Um, I'll also point to one other, which, uh, you know, there's, there's so many I could talk to, but there's another company that um, I was actually the founder of in 2010 called Noda. Um, the website's uh, www.knowta.com, and you know this company is really revolutionizing the printing space. So everyone hears about how printing is dead, and nobody prints anymore. Well, on college campuses, college students print, and they print in droves. So, but one of the things the colleges did is they said, you know, I'm sick of paying, giving kids free printing. So we're going to charge for printing and turn what, with a cost center into a, you know, cost neutral center. And what NOTA has done is they've come along and they've figured out how to give free printing on college campuses and public libraries throughout the country by taking an eight by 11 page 
and turning into an 8x14 page, and the bottom three inches are targeted local advertising. Padded pen, actually, they just got a pen issued, pendable technology that's really looking at the library system and how you get college, college students free printing, so it takes away the cost of students and makes a cost center, no profit center on college campuses. I I, ha- I have to tell you, Todd. A, that's fascinating. Noda. dot com. We just ran into into our time limit, so I apologize. We're going to have you back on broadcast live from Launch House. You've been listening to Ari Lightstone on Tech Talk, tenth show, Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much, as always, to our sponsor, Adorama Camera. Todd, thank you, and have an outstanding day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you.